0: Since the beginning of time, people have always found creative ways of communicating. This is my way. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and we need to talk. Welcome to another episode of Not For Nothing. On today's episode we have none other than Ethan Howard Ham back again. Back again. You people didn't think you'd get me twice in a row, <laughs> did you? Well, uh, they. <laughs> I keep the people on their toes because <laughs> this episode is dated to go out last week. Oopsie. And the thing about 2020 is it's been coming fast and hard for me. Do you feel the same way? No. <laughs> you don't. You don't. I don't. You don't. I, I was literally
1: at work yesterday thinking, why did February feel like it took four months worth of
0: time? And I can't believe two months are already past of 2020 because I, I really was like, this episode was supposed to go out last week. Um, but I, I didn't have time to record an episode, I didn't have time to edit an episode. I literally looked at my cl- calendar and thought, there's no time, guys. There's no time. His week was insane last <laughs> so, week. Um, just to recap, what's been going on for me in 2020? I have been promoted twice at my day job, woo, which is great because you know you got to make the money to spend the money. Um, I was elected to the vestry, which is essentially the board of directors for the church. So I'm and I went on retreat last week to Malibu to for the big beginning of the year meeting for that. I'm also a producer on a documentary and I also have this podcast and I have a little few other projects going on. So I had to decide which which uh which project has the least amount of impact on the world around me and it was this show because it's free. I don't get paid <laughs> to do it and you get to listen whenever you whenever you want to. Right. So Here we are, Um, because I'm a week late. Some of the stuff this week is very time-sensitive. Like, I was going to do a follow-up to our last episode because of politics. It's everywhere right now, and I thought, because today's Monday, March 2nd. We're recording on March 2nd. But the episode goes out on Thursday, and if you and I were to talk extensively about politics, then we would have been talking deeply about things that might not be true in three days. That super don't matter anymore. Because tomorrow's Super Tuesday. So I'm going to do next week's episode, because I'm going to do an episode this week and an episode next week, just to kind of get it all in. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll recap everything for Super Tuesday, for everything, but... I will go back just a little bit and do like two minutes on recapping because today alone, Pete Buttigieg, Tom Steyer, and Amy Klobuchar have all dropped out because now we have four real honest-to-God candidates in the election as of right now. This could be different. You're going to be hearing this after Super Tuesday So I'm not going to talk about who's still there, but uh, we can recap real quick on who's gone. Pete, Amy, and Tom. Do you have any thoughts about them? I was really shocked, honestly, that Pete dropped
1: out just because he won Iowa. And you were explaining to me how even though he did win Iowa, he, in the grand scheme of things, when you look at the delegates and everything like that didn't was still pretty far behind Mm -hmm. so it makes sense to me i guess that he
0: dropped out but it really came out of nowhere i thought well it's a coin toss you know he's got eight delegates bernie's got 54 delegates and joe biden's got 44 delegates i think um as of right now before super tuesday elizabeth warren and this is all numbers before super tuesday so keep that in mind Um, Elizabeth Warren has seven delegates, and I think Amy Klobuchar had five or four. Four, maybe. Um, So, both Amy Klobuchar and um, Pete Buttigieg, I think, were um, really thinking about the bigger picture. We are taking votes away from... Like, Joe's taking votes away from us. We're taking votes away from Joe. We are sharing the same pool of non burniness Yeah. And I think Tom Steyer dropped out because he came to his senses and got a reality check that he will never be president. So thank you so much for going away. Um, even yeah, though I do know people truly. who have voted for him. Really? Because we mean, were all torn. We were torn because you and I, I was thinking about voting for Pete. And then I wound up i guess we haven't talked about this nope, we haven't uh i voted for elizabeth warren as did i and you did too and i know a lot of people who were pete 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 pete, pete and then now they're they voted they wound up voting for elizabeth warren yeah so i don't know i don't know what's going to happen but um but yeah that i i'm grateful for pete i think he would be a wonderful uh ed, um ambassador to the un he speaks five languages he could make a good uh, secretary of defense. He has military experience. He has tactical military experience with um, intelligence there. So here's a question for you then. Mm-hmm. If if it does become
1: Joe, say Joe becomes president. Yeah. There's a pretty solid chance that he would put Pete somewhere in the cabinet, don't you think? Maybe. If Bernie becomes president, what are the odds that you think that he would put Pete See, in the See, that's the
0: thing. We know... We, we have from what i can read and what i can see we have reason to believe we could make some educated guesses on joe like mm-hmm. he and um doug jones senator from alabama democrat are very close friends um and he was the alabama attorney general so doug jones a, was not joe biden yeah doug jones was um <laughs> joe biden was not alabama Attorney General. no he's a delaware boy but no, so you can make an educated guess. So you could say, oh, okay, then I bet he would make Doug Jones the Attorney General of the United States, which would be interesting because that would be two in two different administrations from Alabama. Two very different. <laughs> two very people. different. Who ha- Two from Alabama who held the same exact seat because Doug Jones took um, Elephant. Yep, What's I don't his remember. Name? <laughs> Not more. Um, Sessions, Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions. Seat. Um, he's More like a monkey than an elephant. Yeah, he's well, he's more like a Keebler elf, um, but you know, he took his seat. So yeah, I could see that. I don't really know who he, who Bernie Sanders would pick. Is he going to try to like put Alexandria Ocasio Cortez types there, or is he going to try to balance himself? Here's what I'm thinking: by of. putting Amy Klobuchar in, in some cabinet positions. Absolutely not. Here's what here's my thoughts. I don't think she
1: would take it. That nobody has for. Um, I have told you this many times in the privacy of our own home. Mm-hmm. Um, that one of the main reasons why I don't particularly care for Bernie right now is because my fear is that if he becomes president, it'll be more of Trumpism just with Bernie instead of Trump. Mm-hmm. It'll be more of the same of my way or the highway. And one of the ways I can see Bernie doing that is putting all of these people who... Don't really deserve it. Who just beef him up and make him look good, in, in all these positions? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't. I think he's more nuanced than that. Hopefully, I hope so because I I do believe that if Bernie gets in, if he can deliver what he's promised, our life will be amazing. Um, I will say I did have this thought, and I'm gonna move on after this because this is not what today's episode's right. about. Um, what if Okay, (laughs) clutch your pearls already, everybody who's listening, because I just thought about this. This is just one theory. I don't like him, (laughs) so (laughs) let's go with that. But what if Bloomberg is the right choice? And here's why. Because no Democrat likes him, (laughs) you know? Okay. We are so frustrated with Trump because people just follow him. People just love him. Yeah. And people just love Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And we, and you know, I'm going to love anybody. You know, I will find the love for Bernie Sanders. I will love him the way that I loved Hillary four years ago. I will find that in my heart and I will mean it with every bone of my body i'll do the same for joe biden i'll do the same for elizabeth warren i will not do the same for bloomberg <laughs> i will criticize him when he needs to be criticized what if he's just the great equalizer where we can get back to business where we can criticize the president on both sides without feeling like we're betraying someone huh. um, like, i hope that's not true an interesting thought but you yeah. know we we gotta put somebody in there that everybody equally hates for everybody to come together. Yeah. <laughs> and Maybe that like, is the solution. And and that way we can just completely focus on policy because Donald Trump's behavior that makes people hate him so much in some times, in some ways, is so far away from the policies he's implementing because people are like, I hate him, mm-hmm. but I love his policies. I'm like, well, we all hate you because you're a, another dumb billionaire, but... You're a Democrat who's putting forth Democratic policies. I'm like, what if he's the one who needs to go in? I'm not voting for him. I will if he's running against Trump. But he won't be because he has no delegates. And everybody's like, aren't you afraid of him? No, because he has no delegates. <laughs> so anyway. Aren't
1: you afraid of him, really?
0: Yeah, they're like, aren't you afraid he's no. going to rock the boat? I'm like, nope, not yet, because he has no delegates. you got to have delegates to win the, the nomination. So, that being said, moving on. Well, do you have any final thoughts before we move on? I'm good. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's things that we should talk about, like Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden and, and Bernie Sanders and, you know, all that. But as of right now on Monday, they're in there. I don't know. Elizabeth may drop out. I don't know. I hope not. Um, so, yeah. Moving on. Uh, sad news today. I wanted to, because someone has passed away, and you said you didn't know much about them. At all, really. And I wanted to just kind of take a moment to spotlight and honor honor them as of today march 2nd we have lost james lipton um do you know anything about him all i know literally about james lipton
1: is that he did inside the actor studio mm-hmm. and that he looked like he
0: possibly could have been an extra in lord of the rings you know what's funny um i'm looking at this photo of him right now and he he reminds me for some reason of uh, byron byron adams yeah. My friend, who uh, is a pretty renowned composer, they look a lot alike, and I suspect they are a lot alike, because I knew James Lipton, um, I used to watch it on Bravo, inside the Actor studio, mm-hmm. uh, where he would just do these in-depth, fascinating conversations with actors um, about their process, about how they chose the roles, about what their craft means to them. And I started reading about James Lipton today and I am endlessly fascinated because his career goes back early as radio days because he's 93. He -hmm. played um, Dan Reed, the Lone Ranger's nephew on the Lone Ranger random. It seems random based on what you know about him today, but um, he initially studied law in New York and turned to acting to finance his education. What? Um, yeah. He's a, he was a law, he was oh, yes. studying law. Back in the day when you could finance your life through acting. Yeah. Look at me now. Right. Hello. <laughs> uh, he wrote for several soap operas including Another World, The Edge of Night, Guiding Light, The Best of Everything, Return to Peyton's Place, and something called Capital. Uh, he also acted for over 10 years on The Guiding Light. Lipton studied two and a half years with Stella Adler, four years with Harold Clerman, and two years with Robert Lewis. He also started studying voice and dancing, including modern dance and classical ballet. Hmm. And he also choreographed a ballet for the American Ballet Theatre. Oh wow! Like he's a voice actor. He wrote for soap operas. He choreographed a ballet. Uh, in 1951, he appeared in the Broadway play The Autumn Garden by Lillian Hellman. He portrayed a shipping clerk turned gang member in Joseph Strick's 1953 film, The Big Break. I thought you were going to say a shipping clerk turned gay. <laughs> he turned a gang member, uh, a crime drama. And uh, he also... He was. Uh, it says he was also the librettist and lyricist of the short-lived 1967 Broadway musical Sherry, based on the Moss Hart and George S. Kaufman play The Man Who Came to Dinner. So this uh, this is fascinating. His book An Exaltation of Larks was first published in 1968 and has, and has been in print and revised several times since then. The Book is a collection of Terms of Venery, both real and created by Lipton himself. Terms of Venery? Mm-hmm. What do does that did... mean? L- well, Google. I'll, I can tell you right now. Uh, terms of Venery. It's a collective noun. Wait, maybe not. I can tell you right now. It's <laughs> a I, collective noun. What did I click on? <laughs> terms of Venery. Yeah, it says collective noun. In, in, How do you used to call that? <laughs> V-E-N... V-E-N. I don't know. Like venerated? V-E-N-E-R-Y. V-E-N-E-R-Y. In linguistics, a collective noun is a collection of things taken as a whole. Most collective nouns in everyday speech are not specific to one kind of thing, such as the word group. Okay, I'm gonna... Okay. My Google says sexual indulgences. Okay, so that's what it means. Like pride. Okay. Okay. For example, pride, as a term of venery, always refers to lions, never to dogs or cows. I don't know what any of this means. <laughs> this is ruining my tribute to Lipton. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, in 1983... Lipton published his novel, Mirrors, about dancers' lives. He later wrote and produced it as a made-for-television film. In television, Lipton has produced some two dozen specials, including 12 Bob Hope birthday specials. Like, how do you go from voicing the Lone Ranger's nephew to writing a special for Bob's birthday? Um, The Road to China was another one of his specials he... um, he produced and it's an NBC entertainment special produced in China. And he, he actually, um, produced the very first televised presidential inaugural gala for Jimmy Carter. Wow. He was in arrested development and Hmm. he, he played, he was in that and he was in, he voiced, um, the producer in the movie bolt. He was the voice of the producer. Uh, he was in family guy a couple of times But what we know him from is um, Inside the Actors Studio. And he wasn't just the host of Inside the Actors Studio. He was the Dean Emeritus of the school of the Actors Studio.
1: Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: That was his baby. In the early 1990s, Lipton was inspired by Bernard Pivot and sought to create a three-year educational program for actors that would be a distillation of what he had learned in the 12 years of his own intensive studies under Stella Adler, etc., in 1994 he arranged for the actor's studio the home base of method acting in the u.s for over 60 years to join with new york city's new school university and form the actor's studio drama school a formal degree granting programs and the graduate level after ending its contract with the new school the actor's studio established the actor's studio drama school at pace university in 2006 and that was all under his all under his guise Um, Lipton created a project within the Actors Studio Drama School, a non-credit class called Inside the Actors Studio, and that was in 1994, where successful and accomplished actors, directors, and writers would be interviewed and would answer questions from acting students. These sessions are also taped, edited, and broadcast on television for the general public to see. So, did you ever watch the Actors Studio? It was. It was just like a seminar. Here's uh, Angelina Jolie for the actors who take these classes. and they just come to the auditorium to hear Angelina Jolie talk and he would ask them questions and it just became this thing it's still going on today he stepped down after the 22nd season and now they don't have a regular host for it they have rotating hosts outside of all that he had a really fascinating life too he was born in Detroit, Michigan in 1926 he was the only child of Betty a teacher and librarian and Lawrence Lipton, a journalist Lipton's family struggled financially and he started to work at age 13 he worked in high school as a newspaper copy boy for the Detroit Times and an actor in the Catholic Theater of Detroit and in radio after graduating from Central High School in Detroit he attended Wayne State University for one year in the mid 1940s and enlisted in the United States Air Force wow um I had also read that he studied archery he studied dance he just was fascinated by the arts And he would just, he wanted to invest in the arts. And he wanted to invest his time, his money, his, he wanted to learn about it. He really is just a true renaissance man. And I kind of would like to be more like that. Like, it inspires me to like, oh, he will live to be 93. I'll be 33 this month. If that's the case, 60 years of studying new things and learning new things. If you ever wanted to do... you know learn a musical instrument do it if you wanted to learn to dance go take a class yeah people
1: like that fascinate me because that's definitely not i don't think anyway my my way of doing things Mm -hmm. i tend to like find one thing that i can really like i think i have found one thing that i can like focus on and obsess with and be become amazing at that and you did it and but then other people are like let me dabble a little bit here and there let me learn as much as I can about a lot of different things.
0: Oh yeah, I totally think I'm that kind of person. I think so too. <laughs> I, uh, I I I get really obsessed with something for a brief period of time, and but a lot of times it doesn't just go away. It, it becomes, I, I it becomes something I enjoy and do, but then move on from, but still do casually in my in my day to day life. Um, but yeah, I just I'm very fascinated by him, and I remember when I was a kid in the nineties, I would watch inside the actor's studio and I would hear these people's stories about how they would come from small town USA and go on these grand adventures. And I, I you know, I think about how did I come from bug tussle to be where I am today in a lot of ways. And that was how that was watching Lucy and watching these sitcoms that would take place all over the United States. Like happy days was in Milwaukee and, and, you know there were shows that were based in new york there were shows based in california the golden girls was in florida designing women was in georgia there was just stories being played out all over the all over the united states and all over the world and and then i would hear these i was i got fascinated with people's stories because some of the people that i would watch on these old shows would go on to the actor studio and and um they would talk about their life. And it just... It became a fascination that I wanted to be one of them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I got to that point where, where we come from. A lot of people are just like, can't wait to be turned 16. Cause they, so they can drive, get a car, and you know have some freedom. I couldn't wait to be 18. So I could just hop on a plane and see the world. Same. Yeah. And it's people like James Lipton who is fascinated by people like that. And he brought their stories to me. And I just... I think that was so fascinating to to want to bring his educational expertise to the masses. And then even more so, he's like, this is a conversation that the world would love to see. And here we are 25 seasons later of that show that we have access to. It's not even a show. It's curriculum for students. It's a seminar for students, but we get to just, you know, be a fly on the wall for it. And I, I think it's a testament to his genius. So, um, James Lipton. We salute you. We salute you. And actually, um, I posted on the uh, Facebook group today uh, a tribute to him, and I got a few comments. Kyle Hartman oh. says, a true gentleman of class and wisdom and intelligence. He will be missed indeed. And Charity Whitlock, friend of the show, said, he was one of the greatest. He will be dearly missed. We need more people like him, I think. We do. I, I agree. And, and and I think there are people who are fascinated by that, and I... I think just we just need to remember to if you're fascinated by something, there's thousands of other people out there that's fascinated by that too. Yeah. That's the hope that I have with this show. I just have conversations with my people, and lo and behold, people tune in every week to listen, and well, not every week, because <laughs> haha, someone, some people screw it up, this guy. Um, but yeah, you just have to invest in what you love. And know that there are people out there who will invest with you. Well, we hear that all the time, I think.
1: Uh, Like, the Oprahs and people like her of the world will say, pursue what you love and the world will open up to you and all that good stuff. And I think for a lot of people that can sound like fantastical thinking hullabaloo. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean drop everything you're doing, quit your job, and pursue your goal of becoming a pointillism painter. You know, like just pursue it a little bit here and there. And who knows, maybe one day... The scales will balance
0: out, and that's what you'll be doing most of your time with. Right. Well, and my calendar is full this year, like I said before, because I did just say yes. I said yes to life this year, and because of that, I got promoted. I'm a producer on a, on a documentary. I'm on a board of directors. I've, I've yesed my way into being busy and fulfilled in a lot of ways. But also, I'm not done saying yes to this year. Anything that comes my way, if I have time for it, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Um, And even if I don't have time for it, I'm going to probably say yes and then move things around. Because... You've got to invest in the yes in life because we spend all of our time saying no, 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 not until or as soon as this or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's just delaying. this is not what I had
1: in mind. This is not what I planned.
0: Well, this is what is. Yeah. James Lipton, we salute you and let light perpetual shine upon you. And your impact on the world will be forever felt because as long as there's the actor's studio, there'll be actors coming out of there giving us beautiful work for years to come. Um, Before we go to break, I want to mention that today is the second day of recording. It'll be the fifth day uh, when this is out of Women's History Month. So I wanted to do a spotlight on some women who deserve a little bit of a spotlight. We deserve to know their names. We deserve to know what their contribution was. Today's Women's History Month spotlight for Not For Nothing is Jeanette Rankin. Do you know who that is? That name. I know that name. Who is that? Jeanette Rankin is the first woman elected to the House of Representatives. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's fascinating about her, she's a little more nuanced than what we're used to in the 21st century. First of all, she was elected to the House of Representatives in 1916. Wow. Do you know why that's significant? Because that was before she could vote, right? Yeah. Women couldn't even vote, wow. and she was voted in. That's wild. Uh, she was a Republican, um, but when I say she was an, uh, a nuanced person, she was a suffragist. She fought for the rights for women, because, I mean, hello, she's a woman. Fight for your rights. Um, but not every woman was. Not no, every exactly. woman believed yeah. that they had the right to vote. Mm-hmm. Their women were, there were some women who wanted things to stay the way they were, and... Um, But what's interesting is she was elected twice to the House of Representatives. Once in 1916, or first in 1916, and then again in 1940. Huh. And what's interesting is she was elected the first time just before World War I, and she was elected the second time just before we got into World War II. And both times, she voted not to go to war. She voted not to go to war with Germany during World War I, and then after the bombing on Pearl Harbor, she voted not to go to war with Japan. Huh. She was a pacifist. She did not right. want war. She had she had the the courage to stand up and run for office. Somebody has to be the first. Mm-hmm. And she did it. She did it. And thank you for it. We're going to go to break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about something that has always sort of casually been in my life. Over the last 10 years, you have gotten me more deeply into it because I have a need to get obsessed with things. And I'm obsessed. But... Also, I'm kind of walking in the dark. (laughs) So when we come back, we're going to talk about Nintendo games. Yes. Well, we have the French press steeping with some coffee. And and I just ate a banana chocolate
1: walnut RX bar, so I might start choking, because that's what happens when I eat nuts. They get caught in
0: my throat. Thank you for doing that while you were filming a podcast. You're so welcome. <laughs> um, so yeah, I have grown up playing Nintendo, as did you, as did many. I remember my sister Megan got the Nintendo for Christmas one year, the regular Nintendo, that's how old I am. Um... And then a couple of years later, I got the Super Nintendo, and then when I was in fifth grade, I got a third one. Oh, I thought that was the cat in here. (laughs) I was like, what? I got the Nintendo 64. Um, I remember only having three games for that before what? I just gave up. No. But now we, we, but that's the thing. We still have it here in the house. The one that I got for Christmas when I was in fifth grade. And we have many more than three games now. Um, and that I, was my jam. Because I'm at that age where the N64 was like. Because I was in fifth grade, so you were in like second grade. Mm-hmm. That's not right. Is no, that not right? That's first grade. You're four years younger four than me. That sounds so... That that age gap is such a big age gap. When you're a kid, yeah. When you're a kid. Um, But, yeah, I still have the Super Nintendo that I got when I was a little kid here, too. It's kind of getting on the fritz a little. It's She's wearing out. Well, because it was used more. She's getting tired. And it's older. Uh-huh. Um, And we have the your old GameCube. We yep. have the Wii U. And we have oh, the... The n- poor old Wii U. The poor old
1: Wii U. Nintendo she- decided to create an entire system and then make no games for it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there you go. Um, But you recently bought the Nintendo Switch, finally, and it's sort of changed our lives. Yep, like it's pretty great. Definitely, like it's like a stale marriage that invited a prostitute into the bedroom. Didn't have to be a prostitute. It it could have been a friend. (laughs) It could have been the neighbor. You don't know what she does. She could be a prostitute. (laughs) So, um, but anyway, she's brought new life into the games in our home. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I heard so many people
1: on like podcasts that I listen to and just friends say that the Switch was their new favorite system of all time. So many people I've heard say that. And I believe them because I'm like, yeah, because it's Nintendo and they're the best. But now I've played the Switch and I see what they're talking about. So even
0: through the days of Wii U, you still stood by Nintendo. I did. Um, I did too. Because here the reason that I was able to stand by Nintendo is because I don't care. I don't care <laughs> about like Call of Duty. I don't care about you know the, the the shooter games. I don't care about the the real like the people, Halo. People will say you're not a real gamer unless you're like playing PlayStation 4 or right. Xbox. I'm like, well, I don't want to. I don't care about that. I mean, I would say people would probably argue with
1: me on this, but I would say that the r- real sort of console war is still Nintendo versus Sony with PlayStation.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, where does my Xbox
1: come into that? I don't think people they don't like, care. I think people who consider themselves to be quote-unquote serious gamers don't take the xbox systems that seriously they might have them and play them and like them mm. but they don't consider them to be like forefronts in the industry like they would See, playstation or nintendo I, systems
0: i don't understand why or care why really honestly i'm like okay whatever why can I, I don't understand why like the bloodier, more dangerous games are on PlayStation and not on Nintendo. But they're getting there on Nintendo Switch. Like I've I was um when I was working a gig, we were um we were uh, in the back, you know, waiting for our times, whatever, and people would bring their Switch and play it. And I'm like, this looks very violent. This is not the Mario Kart of my playing? day. I don't know. Switch Bros? No. No. <laughs> no. It was this lady. She was I don't remember what she was She was a lady who could destroy things, and she would, like, spin around in a tornado and... Oh, yeah. That would have been Bayonetta. Yeah, it was Bayonetta.
1: Yeah, Yeah, Bayonetta's pretty, uh... She's racy. But, you know... Do you have a timer on the coffee?
0: I do. Okay. Yeah. I do. We got some time. Oh, I didn't start it. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... Well, now it's probably ready. By now. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Through the magic of editing, we now have our coffee. After I overflowed your oat milk a little. Oopsie. All over the counter. Um, But, point of note, we are drinking them out of the St. Thomas the Apostle of Hollywood mugs that we got at church. And as Father Crean would say, say a little prayer for St. Thomas with every sip you take, no matter what the beverage is. Ours is decaf coffee. Anyway, back
1: to Nintendo. Nintendo. A topic that I could discuss at length, any time of day, any day
0: of the week. And that's why we're here. I started playing, because somehow, just like that time in school, I never read To Kill a Mockingbird. I know a kid from Alabama did not read To Kill a Mockingbird in high school. For whatever reason, the year we were supposed to uh, read it, I read Ethan Frome instead. I'm so sorry. It's terrible. Um somehow i got through life to 32 years old without playing a legend of zelda game um because i was always a super mario brothers f- fan i loved mm-hmm. super mario brothers but even there was some like mario sunshine from the cube i haven't wa- the cube is that that's what i'm gonna call it that from now on the is, cube is that not what we call it mm-hmm. <laughs> oh well whatever <laughs> um i didn't play that and I Have still, you played that yet? No, I oh. played a little bit of it, but I didn't. I haven't like finished it. I didn't finish Galaxy Two, yeah, which makes me sad because there was no Rosalina. Not really, technically. Was she there? I guess I haven't seen her yet. Have you not seen the
1: um? What do they call her? The Galactic Aid? That's not what they call her, but <laughs> Assistant Galactic Assistant, something like that. I think we played different games. No, there's a this being that appears in Galaxy Two. If you mess up enough times and it's like an outline it's like a silhouette of Rosalina. And it says, Can I help you?
0: Get through this level? <laughs> oh no. I don't I don't remember. It's been so long since hmm. I even started it. And it's on the Wii U, which is, you know, you can't play no, Wii games. Not. Huh? I think it's on the Wii, but yeah. I I we don't have a Wii. I play it on the Wii U instead of right. the Switch. But anyway. So I was a Mario fan, but I always felt this FOMO, I guess, for lack of a better term. Everybody knew Zelda than me. And much to my dismay, Zelda's not even even there. She's not anywhere around. A guy named Link. I'm like, who is Zelda? I love a goddess. Yep. So, take me through your journey because you are are taking me on a journey to play Zelda because I have many questions. Okay. But take me through your mindset of why I started where I started and all that. Okay, so...
1: I'll start by saying it's not super uncommon, I, would, I wouldn't I would think, that somebody who's casually into games would have missed one of the biggest video game series of all time. Because me, as somebody who I would say is casually into sci-fi adventure type things, mm-hmm. managed to go, what, 26 years without seeing a Star Wars movie? That's
0: true. So it happens. But that's the thing. I didn't miss it. I it was I remember the very first Legend of Zelda game on the Nintendo Entertainment System, right. and I would always beg Wes and Mark, my cousin and my uncle, to let me play because they would play it and they'd let me play. And that just you just kept having to read stuff, and I was like five years old, and I was like, why do I have to keep reading it? I hated it. Like I played like the first two minutes. Use keys to open doors. Yeah, I'm just like. <laughs> I don't know. And like, I was like, I want to play. And they were like, well, you got to read it. That's the whole point of the game, to follow the story. I'm like, well, make it do. And so it just, it all fell apart. Are you sure they were
1: playing the original Zelda? Or were they playing Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo?
0: No, it was the regular Nintendo Zelda. There wasn't a whole Zelda. heck of a
1: lot of reading to do in the original Zelda.
0: I don't remember. I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. It was, it's, I'm 32. It's <laughs> been like 30 years, 30, almost 30 years since that moment. Um... The only reading was like
1: every now and then you'd walk into a cave and there would be some old lady in there and she would be like the old man has the has the has the map. I think I was just bored cuz
0: he was just walking around there was nothing going on. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Basically. I don't know why I never played, but I just remember them telling me that it was I wouldn't like it, and then I didn't like it, but they loved it so much, and I felt like I was missing out, and it made me so mad. So I, so you know me. When I get upset about something, I will protest it for 30 years, and I have never played a game. Can I tell you something that yeah. reminds me? This is super off topic, but I'm going to tell you this real quick. Okay.
1: My sister and I are six years apart, so when we were both younger, that made, like, we didn't hang out a ton, mm-hmm. but we did kind of, like, we played together a good bit, um, but we had varying interests, like video games and I had this similar thing where Kendall started to get old enough that she was interested in that mm-hmm. and I would say the same thing I'd be like oh you wouldn't like it and my mom told well, me well that pissed her my off my mom I'll told say. me one well the Kindle was not that type she was just kind of like okay and then would leave mm-hmm. but my mom would be like you don't know that you should mm-hmm. let her try she might like it yep and I thought mother was absolutely right and you know what Kendall loved it and she still plays to this day So, people with children out there, take note. Sometimes, don't assume that your child is too young to like something. Sometimes, they will.
0: Well, I was one of eight, and Carrie was ten years older than me. Derek was twelve years older than me. Miranda was nine years older. There were so many people that were older than me that were of babysitting age. Mm -hmm. There were no parents around. They just kept telling me I wouldn't like it. So, I I was like, well, I'll show you. I'll never play this game. And now I'm in my thirties playing my first Zelda game. So, speaking of which,
1: um, I am super interested to see what kind of comments you get on this. And you guys listening, I encourage you to leave comments telling me if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> I'm just curious to know what you think because I'm kind of. I kind of have the reins with Kyle's experience of Zelda in my hands. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I want you to decide how I experience this. So I had um, a debate with myself about. How would be the best way for him to experience this? Should he go by the timeline, the official Zelda timeline, that is present in Hyrule Historia, as released by Nintendo? Or should I come up with my own way to do it? And I quickly decided that I was going to do it my way, because, as any of you nerds out there who are familiar with the timeline will know, the first game in the timeline is Skyward Sword, and I don't think that should be anybody's first Zelda experience. So tell me why. It's not a good game. Why is that a bad game? Come at me, bros. You know, I'll <laughs> I I dare you to tell me that it is a great game. It's not. I well, I need to know why though. <laughs> well, one thing, motion controls. Before What does that mean? So, Nintendo first got into the scene with motion controls with the Wii. And then and that means like the Wii remote, you know, like you point it at the TV and it does things. Oh, okay. So then the Wii U came along and they were trying to sort of
0: move things further with motion controls so was the what is it called the game skyward sword skyward sword Mm -hmm. was that made for the wii u yes okay
1: anyway but you have to wave the wii remote around as if it is your sword so any direction that you hold the wii remote in that's the direction that link is going to point his sword and you swing the wii remote to swing your sword why would they think that was a good idea hello exactly exactly Says the person who's not even super familiar with video games. Like, I don't know, that just seems... To make matters worse, there are a number of enemies that you have to... So if you swing the remote to the right, he, Link will swing his sword to the right. To the left, he'll swing to the left. If you poke the Wii remote forward, he'll do a stab. The, I, I, for, you know, I'm, that never happens. It's incredibly difficult to actually pull off the stab. You have to be so, like, exaggerated and precise with your movement when you're stabbing the Weir Uh air. And there's a number of enemies that you have to stab to kill. And you're just there, like, smacking your sword against it because you're trying to stab, and he's not stabbing. He's slicing. He's slicing all day long, and nothing Uh is happening. And you're just standing there getting hit by this enemy. So it's not super engaging like they meant for it to be, I don't think. Mm -hmm. And also, another one of my main problems with it is... Even though it seems like the world that you inhabit in the game is huge, it's really only three areas that you visit over and over and over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. But anyway,
0: I'm in Ocarina of
1: Time. That's what I decided would be the best game for you to start with because uh-huh. it puts you sort of right in the middle of the official timeline. So if you play games that it happened before Ocarina of Time in the timeline, you'll be like, oh, so this was leading up to Ocarina of Time. Like, you'll get it. Mm-hmm. And then when you play the games that happen after Ocarina of Time, you're going to be like, oh, okay, so this came down. I see now what they were talking about before in Ocarina of Time. This is now what
0: I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ocarina of Time is sort of the, the the hub that holds the entire story of the Legend of Zelda exactly. together. Okay, so now I have a question. Mm-hmm. Who is Zelda? So Zelda is a princess. i met, every game. I met her. She's yes. in a castle that looked much like Princess Peach's castle. Well, it wasn't in Nintendo 64. They could only do so much with castles. Right. And that's where we first kind of see Princess Peach's castle in Nintendo 64. Did you see Bowser? It? In... hmm in, um, in Legend in of Green- Zelda? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: No. So Nintendo loves to do this. I don't know if little they really Easter do egg. It so much anymore. But yeah, they used to love putting characters from other games in games. Uh, he was at the castle? In Zelda's little courtyard. hmm If you look... On the walls, there's windows that you can look in, and if you stand at the right angle and you look in one of the windows, you can see Bowser. It's a portrait of Bowser. So yeah, and so if you imagine the timeline, Mm -hmm. there's Ocarina of Time pretty much in the middle. Above that are a few other games that we'll get to later for you. And then below Ocarina of Time, it divides into three branches.
0: Okay. Why? Why?
1: We'll get there when we get there. Okay. So I'm... Another reason why I decided to go with Ocarina of Time first for you is because it establishes the mythology of the land of Hyrule.
0: Okay. So let's go over that because I'm concerned a little bit that this is not interesting to anyone listening because I'm so confused by it. Okay. Um. So what is the point of the legend of Zelda? So technically the
1: actual legend of Zelda is that there is... A princess and a hero who fights by her side and they are their divine task
0: is to save the world from evil that's the legend of Zelda okay and there's like three three stones of ladies <laughs> um I saw what? in the game the lady with the stone and then the lady with the other stone and then the third stone that make the triangle of the triangle. oh yes of stone yes, yes. lady the goddesses the golden goddesses yeah uh-huh. so I got that let me reestablish real quick. So I'm, I'm starting with Ocarina of Time because that is the hub that holds the story together. Before Ocarina of Time is prequels, which are origin story type situations. And then after Ocarina of Time, the timeline is split into three different what? So I'm not going to give it away. I'm not going to tell you the actual
1: answer. Okay. All I'm going to say is that the timeline splits into three different branches from Ocarina of Time because ostensibly there are three different things that could happen in Ocarina of Time. There's three different outcomes mm-hmm. that are possible. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I need a I need a quick end. So I'll get, once you finish Ocarina of Time, then I'll tell
0: you. And you'll, you'll I am it. enjoying it, but it is, so the other day, and by the other day, I mean several months ago, our TV went out, and so we bought this brand new 4K smart TV, smart TV and we're playing, and I'm playing an extremely pixelated Nintendo 64. Yes. Yep. I remember when I was 10 years old playing the Nintendo 64, I had never seen such compelling graphics. Yeah. And now I get a headache sometimes mm-hmm. from playing it on this completely clear, I think 4K means 4,000 pixels. Um, and that's funny because back in the day
1: when people who were used to the Super Nintendo and the Nintendo Entertainment System picked up mario 64 and legend of zelda ocarina of time they would get headaches because it was too much
0: (laughs) it was too too clear too crisp and like 3d and i can't handle this oh yeah yeah so well and i did after playing legend of zelda ocarina of time and then picking back up on mario odyssey i was like why is this so real i don't like it why are the controls the movements are so fluid um how many zelda games are there Oh, I'd have to sit here and go through my head and count them. So, okay, more than 10. I think so.
1: Maybe Let, 12. More I don't know than why 20. I'm thinking 12, but I think, no, not, There's not tw- 12. There's 12 games Fresh.
0: from Nintendo, re, classic Nintendo Entertainment System to Switch. There's been 12 mm-hmm. games. And I mean, the, I'm just pulling that number out of nowhere. But now, I feel like are there only games like that. that would be able to be played from Zelda on Game Boys? Mm hmm. Well, that makes me sad. Okay, but I'm a a purist. I don't start a TV show unless I'm going to watch every episode. I don't start a game unless I'm going to play every game. Well, first of all... My only out is like the Mario Paint Shop. I don't play Mario Paint Shop. (laughs) But... Anything that has to do with Mario going on a quest, I'm going to play all of them because I like to know the story, which I know Mario has no story. It's a whole thing that I've come to terms with over the course of three decades. Yep. Is there a story that is finite in Legend of Zelda? Okay. That's what I was about to say.
1: Um, first of all, depending on what they put on the virtual console for the Switch, we should be able to get some of those Game Boy ones. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... But also, t- usually the ones that are on the handheld systems aren't as integral to the main structure plot. They're more outliers. Mm-hmm. They do, like, they have a spot on the timeline, but they don't change anything. It's just like, and then he went here and
0: did this too. Like the Star Wars cartoons. <laughs> yeah, kind of. So, yeah, <laughs> I really enjoy it. I'm at a point now where these creatures that I cannot be... Throw me into the fire every time and it makes me mad. So I'm probably going to make you do it because that's how I operate with Nintendo. Mm -hmm. I play it until it's not fun. I do not go deeper into a frustrating situation. I have you get me through it because who's got the time for that? I feel like that's part of the experience is to be frustrated, not like have a hard time figuring out how to beat an enemy and then you do and you figure it out. In some circles I run in, I'm a geriatric. I ain't got time for that. (laughs) But... Um, I do want to try to, to, to really experience it. And it is fun. How hard would you consider this game so far? This one on a scale from one to ten, ten being the hardest, I would say four. Yeah. With little flashes of a nine every once in a I'd while. Say that, I'd say that's, I'd say that's about right. Yeah.
1: Four to six with Big spikes every now and then. Yeah, every now and then, I'd like those creatures. Incorrect.
0: I'm like, why do you keep coming for me? And the why do I hit you three times and you run away? The losophos. I guess I don't know what they're called. The big di- dinosaur dragon guys on the platforms yeah. with the fire surrounding it. Yep, that's yep. the one. Yep. Um. So, what are you excited to see me experience? Ooh. As a first time Zelda ex- uh, experiencer In this game
1: specifically, I'm most excited for you to experience what I'm going to call the halfway point. And for those of you listening, if you've played and you're familiar with La Queen of Time, you know what I mean. We were talking about it a few days ago, and he was like, Okay, so I'm getting these spiritual stones, and there's three of them. And I was like, yeah. And he said, so then once I get three of them, that's the end of the game. And I was like, Haha, no. No, no, no. That's the beginning of the game? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but I'm also just excited for you to experience. Really, once you get past the halfway point, you get to see the genius of all the dungeons and the puzzle-solving And the real, like, the fun aspects of the combat system. Mm -hmm. What game are you most excited for me to play? Probably Ocarina of Time. That Um, one? That one's the one? Um, Is that your favorite? My favorite Mario game and my favorite Zelda game are both controversial opinions. um what's your favorite mario game sunshine, sunshine yeah. on the cube yeah when that game first came out people kind of freaked out about it to make a long story short mario has that water pack that he can float around on mm-hmm. and for a lot of people that kind of removed the one singular point of mario which is if you make a wrong jump you die yeah
0: but in that game if you make a wrong jump you can float back to safety and try again i don't think that was the truth about in mario 64 make a wrong jump you die yeah when I mean... Oh, the, I guess it was. Yeah. yeah. Once you go into the paintings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's
1: plenty of that in, like, the, the the penguin level.
0: Oh, yeah. There's plenty of jumps where you can just keep sliding down the mountain until you die. Yep. That is true. Um, That is a kind of a cheat. But that was also the very first game right on the heels of Mario 64. Yeah, it was. What's your favorite Zelda game? So, right
1: now, my favorite game is Majora's Mask. Which is the one for the Switch. No. Uh. Oh. That's 64 as well. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to have you play that one yet or next or not. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll have bigger opinions once I've finished the one game. I just feel like Majora's Mask is so... It's just the emotion of that game that gets me. It's so dark and so emotional and deep. There's a lot of deep, deep, deep themes in that game mm-hmm. that you kind of don't see at first. However, I am playing through Breath of the Wild right now, and my mind is consistently blown. This is truly one of the best games I've ever played, mm-hmm. and it's... Probably by the end gonna usurp Majora's Mask as my favorite Zelda game. I have never seen anything like it. What do you mean? Again, controversial opinion. I don't much care for the original Zelda game. On Nintendo. On Nintendo. Because, as somebody, like, I was spoiled because I started with Ocarina of Time. That was my first Zelda game. Mm-hmm. Which gives it, which kind of holds your hand through the whole game in a way. It kind of says, go here and do this. Now go here and do this. Now go yeah. here and do this. Like, you're never lost. Mm-hmm. You can go off and do other things if you want to, but it always tells you where to go. Yeah that first Zelda game was
0: like here you go go to it mm-hmm. and that well was, I, I feel like I, I remember I have a memory of the first Zelda game but I don't remember it you know I remember I got
1: the remake or not the remake but the re-release of the original Zelda that they put out on the Game Boy Advance mm-hmm. and I got that game and played probably eight minutes of it and was like this is stupid and I haven't touched it since. so you haven't played every Zelda game I mean, technically. No, n- no, not, not even. You've not finished every Zelda game. No, I get it. Like, that that was the point. Like, mm-hmm. the what made that game interesting was that very fact, that you're just plopped into this world, and you don't know where to go, and you can technically go anywhere, but should you go anywhere, what do you need first? You know, like, you have to
0: figure out everything yourself. That was the point. Yeah. Um, I didn't like that. I feel like a lot of Nintendo purists would assume that I'm a cheater. Why? Because I use YouTube a lot. If I don't know where I'm going, YouTube it, and I'll know exactly where I'm going. But see, that all depends on
1: what you want to get out of the experience, too. It's what I was saying earlier about Mm -hmm. how when you were saying, if it's too hard for me, I'm just going to get you to do it.
0: Yeah. And I was saying, well, but I feel like that's part of the experience. I love a good story. I love the story of it all. That's why my favorite Mario game before Odyssey was Mario Galaxy, the original. I loved the story of the journey that you had to go beyond the Mushroom Kingdom... And go on this quest to save this princess. Even though I know it's gonna happen again in a minute, but the graphics of that one and the graphics of Odyssey, where he just he will destroy anything to save this to take this princess. And now on Odyssey, his goal is to marry her. I I love the story, so I don't mind. We've got to get you into Paper, paper Mario. I don't mind you. Getting me through this tiny little quest because my view, my whole interest in the whole thing is this story. Yeah. this The end game of are we going to win? Like when you had me playing um, Fire Emblem, <laughs> I, I kind of fixated on the fact that there's only two games in this one story universe and the rest of the fire emblem games are different stories i was like no but i love these people i want to continue with these people these vigilantes i want them to be the ones that save the world every time but they're not so back to Breath
1: of the wild um i remember when it first came out some people were comparing it to the first zelda in a way Mm -hmm. because it has that same thing of like you emerge Mm -hmm. from this cave And the game's kind of like, okay, go have fun now.
0: But don't you think, though, that's the story? You know what to do in a Zelda game because you've played all the other Zelda games before the one that came out on the Switch. And you know what you're supposed to be doing. You You... just read my mind. Yeah. So... Because
1: I heard this the other other day and I had never realized it before and it sort of changed my perspective of what you're experiencing, Mm -hmm. which was that if you're a person who is used to video games, you can pick up a new video game. And learn what you're supposed to be doing in the first couple of minutes because you know how video games work. Mm-hmm. But if you're somebody who's not used to video games and you're picking up something like the Zelda series and you're starting this giant quest, mm-hmm. it's going to take you some more time, and you're going to have to, you know, spend some more time with it and figure it out because not only do you not know how this particular story is working, but you don't have that pre-sort of registered idea of oh, well, I may not know this story or these controls, but I know video games, mm-hmm. so I can imagine that. If this thing, like, if this boulder is cracked, I can probably blow it up with a bomb. Like, I know that because I know
0: Zelda. But you Oh, yeah, not- and I've run in circles for days. Yeah. <laughs> for some stuff in Zelda. Right. And then I found this wall yesterday that I was like, I bet I could blow that wall up. There you go. I didn't find a way to do it, and I just skipped it. But I bet I could. There you go. Um, But with, like, Mario... I realized, you know, like you were saying just now, it made me think that, yeah, you know what's going on in a Mario game. The slide, the, what is it they call it? The scroll screen? Side scrolling. Side scrolling. Um, It's the same game every time. Mm -hmm. It's just better graphics and harder challenges. Yeah. And it's fun enough. Mm -hmm. It's fun enough that it makes it phenomenal. Yeah. With these games like Mario Odyssey, where you go on an Odyssey I've realized starting with um, starting with sixty four, you get to move freely about the the world to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were parameters in sixty four, but then when things got a little bit be- a little more advanced, I don't know about Sunshine because I haven't played it all the way through and I've forgotten about it. But in Odyssey in um, Galaxy, where he has to go into outer space and find princess, you always have a helper. You always have. Somebody to kinda of tell you you gotta you gotta power the ship first. And then once you power the ship, you can go to the outer realms. Mm-hmm. But you gotta go to this place and this place and this place to find the fuel. Every time. Mm-hmm. You got Rosalina in the first one, the second one you got that big purple thing. Doofy thing, yeah. Um that didn't make any sense. Nope. This one you got Cappy. Yep. And he comes along with you for the journey. Um And in Galaxy, you had the stardust creature who would come along with you for the ride, and you could spin, and he'd attack your things. That's a new development. But you always have a team around you to keep you in the parameters. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case with Zelda. No, and definitely not with Breath of the Wild. It, you're, you're left to your own devices.
1: I, it gives you a touch of a hint of like, go here, maybe there's something for you to find. Mm-hmm. But otherwise... You can do whatever you want.
0: Well, there is a fairy. Does the fairy come with you everywhere, or is it just in Breath of the Wild? Ocarina of Time. I mean, Ocarina of Time.
1: She's only in Ocarina of Time.
0: Well, that's stupid. Like, with the cat, and this is something that bothers me, too. Super Mario Brothers, you get the fire flower. And then in Super Mario Brothers 2, you um, don't have anything. You can't. There's nothing, but that's a whole other issue for a whole other day. Yeah. And Super Mario Brothers 3, you get the raccoon tail. Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario World. World, Yeah, you get the cape where you can fly around, and you know there's all these things that are introduced and then just let go. I'm like, why are the rules never the same? Well, sometimes they do come back. They do come back, but I'm just like, for one time, wouldn't it be funny if we gave him a fairy and then now he's got a fairy and now he's gone? Here's the thing. Well, I find out where that fairy went. She dies at the end, doesn't she? She burns out like Tinkerbell. I'm not going to tell you, but
1: she doesn't just disappear. Okay. Remember at the beginning of the game, he didn't have a fairy yet.
0: That's true, but that made him a a weirdo. Maybe there's a reason. Everybody's like, why don't you have a fairy?
1: Well, the last thing I'll say, too, about Breath of the Wild and why it's really just... I'm having so much fun with it, is there's not really a suggested... I mean, there is a suggested, but there's not one single way to accomplish a goal or to solve a puzzle, Mm -hmm. usually. Like in Ocarina of Time, there tends to be the one way you got to do something to get out of this room or to Mm -hmm. get to this next point. But in Breath of the Wild... You can use the environment to your advantage. You can use the equipment that you have at your disposal in creative ways. Mm-hmm. Like there was a uh, the other day, I got to a location that I had to get to, in a strange way, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not how I was supposed to do this, but mm-hmm. I did just I just did it. So haha, you know. Yeah. And that's cool, too. That's a good feeling, too, when you game the system a little bit. But you're not, because they made the game. The people who made this game knew that you could also probably do this. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, I am having fun with Legend of Zelda. And I love... I mean, it is an interesting way to sort of re recapture childhood in a lot of in a sense because it's it's just so fresh and new to me i do have a altered attention span for it yeah (laughs) i have to like take breaks yeah because i've got because i do i do a lot of things i read books i listen to podcasts i have a lot of tv shows i watch i also exercise and do yoga and you know i work and i'm producing a film you know there's so there's only so many hours in the day and so it's taking me a little while longer but i am enjoying it and i'm enjoying this experience with you watching me play it too
1: i'm having a lot of fun with that too there's three possibly four games that once you've played them you're going to be like oh i get it and this is amazing
0: because mm-hmm. i really legend of zelda is one of those games that i want to be obsessed with i won't say I think th- it's going to happen for you you I think, think we so? can do it yeah I, I won't say that I'm obsessed yet, just because I get I still get so frustrated with it because I don't have the full buy in. Like when those monsters right. are too hard to, be, to beat and I die every time, I'm like, well, I don't care. And but it then keeps I go by curiosity. I, I it doesn't no no. That's why I'm gonna make you do it for me. Okay. Because I'm like, move on. I, I don't care. It's making me not care. So um, and I know that there's probably Nintendo people who's like, oh, I hate these people like me mm-hmm. who are just like, make it a little easier. i I need a smooth way to get to it you know what i mean like to get through it like there has to be a right way and i don't feel like there is a right way with zelda that being said i hope that this has been an enjoyable episode for everyone listening um let us know if you want to get updates about where you are in your zelda journey (laughs) (laughs) oh i'll be definitely updating the zelda journey um before we go, would you like everybody to follow you on Instagram? Because Please do. Yeah, I know you have a an illustrious Instagram account with well, your work and passions. Trying to become illustrious.
1: Uh, it's Ethan H Ham H A M M at on Instagram. Um, that's pretty much the only social media I do um, because it's the most fun social media um and you won't see anything super interesting unless you're really into skincare then you'll be fascinated well
0: because you're you're an esthetician a professional esthetician who works for a very illustrious spa here in town So. so i
1: tend to be it tends to be photos of products with descriptions interspersed with occasional photos of cats
0: well just as much as i love the conversation about everything and anything. You love the conversation about skincare and skincare health. Yes. And beauty. And the industry. And the beauty health industry. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. his Your Instagram is at Ethan H. Ham. Mm-hmm. For Ethan Howard Ham. And if you want to follow me, my Instagram is at Kyle L. Henderson. My Twitter is at Kyle L. Henderson. There's also a Twitter account. Um not for nothing pod and the way you spell it is not just regular not the number four nothing pod and if you would like to join the conversation you can do that on the not for nothing facebook page because that's where the conversation starts and ends and if you enjoy this show rate us on itunes or any of the other apps you find this show and give us a review and if i get a review that i like i'll read it on the show so, until next week, good luck on Super Tuesday. I hope everybody voted. If you don't, I am mentally berating you. <laughs> but for now, I'm going to go play Zelda.